Hello to our hockey fans. Welcome back to another edition of Rinkwise. We're New England's premier hockey podcast produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Joining us in studio today, Tom Mulhern from the Boston Herald. Thanks so much for joining us in studio. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for trekking through the, the traffic, the Boston no, I know. traffic I this know. morning. A little bit of accidents, but that's sort of the way that it goes here, huh? Always a challenge, but we love talking hockey here, so of course that doesn't stop us. Oh, no. So we want to talk a little bit more about the MIAA girls hockey scene today. Last week we, we discussed the boys' MIAA preview and just kind of went into that a little bit, so we want to talk about the girls today. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's great action, and they definitely deserve the attention. So happy to bring bring more to light, whatever whatever can come out. Before we do that, what, what how about the bean pot last night? We were just talking about that. Like, how it made this incredible... It's exciting to, to have two new teams fighting for the, for the final, for the championship. I couldn't believe that when I heard that, that after all these years that the bean pot has been in existence for the first time ever on the men's side, Northeastern versus... Harvard will be in the championship, and that's the first time ever in Beanpot history. I know. I think Coach York had something to do with that, too. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's definitely exciting to see that. A lot of people were angry on Twitter about it, watching or catching up with all of it last night. Angry how? Like, angry thinking that, oh, well, they're all BC fans, so, like, how could this happen? But... It's, if I remember correctly, I think it was an OT winner with about a second left to go. So it's yeah, like, doesn't, yeah. doesn't get much closer than that. No, I know. And I forget who who posted it, but somebody posted a, a picture on Twitter of the, the BC High guys just face planted, just staying there yeah. with the utter disappointment. And that shows how much the Beanpot means. Oh, so. yeah. 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 We're just, we're so lucky that we're, we're going to talk about high school hockey here shortly, but we're just so lucky that there's... It's just incredible sports environment, hockey environment that we oh, get to see on a daily basis here. I know. I mean, Minnesota, Massachusetts, it's like hand in hand with with the hockey scene. It is. Yeah, we'll have a. We need to have a, a battle at some point. I think with Minnesota. I know. See, see I know. who has bragging rights for for who's better. But so so Tom, again, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I know you're super plugged into the high school hockey scene and do a lot of girls coverage. And and so why don't you just talk about your background a little bit? I know you've been with the Herald for a while. And yeah. So I've been at the Herald for about five years. Been on the hockey notebook. This is my well, my first year doing the full season. I was doing girls hockey, and then midway through the year last year they they put me on boys too and it's just it's been a lot of fun i i love working at the herald or for the herald and i truly think that the high school scene deserves as much attention as it possibly can get so especially with girls hockey so um just i'm happy to be here to talk about it no that's great and yeah the the high school scene and the prep scene i mean it just it's such a it covers such a large portion of hockey within Massachusetts and New England. So oh yeah, no, I know. It's and I think a lot of a lot of following of the Herald and, and certainly the New England Hockey Journal is is our local athletes. So I think it's great to to showcase them and to talk about them. People care a lot about the uh, the high school hockey scene. They really do. I mean, and it's funny because I actually worked in New Mexico for a year out of college and I grew up in Central Mass and I went to a D4 school, so Aspen Valley and the sports we cared about, but it wasn't we weren't really fighting for championships. So I would always say down in New Mexico, yeah, high school sports is not really that big of a deal in Massachusetts. Then I come back and I work for the Herald, and it was like mind-boggling just how much passion goes into it. So it's really great to see. Yeah, and it's exciting. It's I'm a big high school sports advocate, really pro right. high school sports. And I think especially in this area, it's just it, it gets a really exciting time of year. And Especially when we get to the playoffs, you get full arenas, and I know you just did the boys, uh, the, the Tom or the excuse me, the Ed Burns 
rink. I mean, that looked like yeah. a pack stands, and it wasn't even the playoffs yet. Well, it, it definitely, it, a lot of the intensity was coming on the ice, too. You could really see it, especially this last round of the, the, that Ed Burns tourney. It's, it, it, there's just a lot of passion. Yeah. And and yeah. they they love playing the best amongst one another, and and the publics are really trying to to show how much they belong with the privates, and and really ramp that up. So it it was very exciting this past weekend. That's great. And speaking of exciting, I know you were just in the rink last night. Caught a really exciting girls hockey game with Canton and Canton Arch- showed up Archbishop Williams. Yeah, no Canton. They they kind of went through it a little bit in the middle of the year with with a loss to KP and, and a couple of ties, but six-game win streak for them and that you know your old assistant she yep. she says that her team is always number one in her eyes and took down the number one in the power rankings from Archbishop Williams so I guess we'll have to see maybe they'll make another run toward the uh, toward the title absolutely yeah and it seems like this year we did a prep preview with with teams on the boys and the girls side and, and one thing on the girls side on the prep we we discussed it's it's going to be a tight playing field as we get down towards the wire with with playoffs and et cetera. And with the MIAA, it, it looks like that may also be the case with not necessarily one or two teams that you've just slotted that they're just going to run away with it this year. Seems like it might be a tight run as we get towards the finish line here. Oh yeah, and especially in D two, I I forget the exact numbers when I did the research, but and it was a while ago, but it was, la- it was this past summer. The D two girls hockey scene had more upsets than any other, any other sport, and they had the most double digit seeds reach. I think the the lead eight. So, and I mean, even look at the final number nine Algonquin playing number ten Canton last year in the final. So and uh, they won. And they, yeah, and Algonquin won. Technically, pulled a big upset. Yeah, technically, right? Right. But right. So get to a championship. I'm not sure if there is an. Upset yeah, I know, I know, I know. So definitely a lot of parity and especially with a team that the coach of is sitting right next to me. But with them gone out of the MIA, it seems to really have opened up things in the D1 side too. So a lot of coaches are really excited. That being Austin Prep, of course. Yes, case, yes, Austin Prep. Yeah. yeah, so it's, yeah, we, as I said, when we, we, we departed last year, it's it's been a great run for us so far in the, the prep in the prep league, we've been doing really well. So, but it's certainly, I think, playing those years and getting to play at TD Garden last year right. to finish is just a, a truly memorable thing that that we'll never forget and just a great experience overall especially to go undefeated too you guys ran table and it wasn't always I mean I know you guys almost lost one to Duxbury in the middle of the year but for the most part you guys really controlled things so and and that's what coaches were always telling me it it was amazing how coaches could guarantee that Austin Prep was going to do it so it was good that you guys were able to get it done in the end special for sure yeah it was as a Talk a, a little bit about in the coaching world and in in a position to, to help mentor people and, and and et cetera. That people, I think they to see the team last year that was just kind of the, the top of the iceberg. Like they, yeah. they often forget that ten years ago when I first started there, it was almost a, a really a no, nothing team. It really right. hadn't accomplished anything. It was a team that hadn't even made the playoffs in in about six years. So I think it's a, a good a good story that you really dedicate and you're passionate and you you really believe in yourself and the school and the the, the team that uh, we, we started 10 years ago with not having made the playoffs to right. finishing as, as one Bottom of the, of the, barrel, the top teams so to speak yeah you know, no and, and, and so. to be honest I didn't even realize that that it was that way 10 years ago because I'm still pretty, right pretty yeah new people to the scene so yeah it, it just feels like you guys have been a power forever with with how it's been going so 
congrats on that and congrats on 200 by the way i never got to say that to you thank you yeah dave gave a big standing ovation the last oh there it is there it is thanks dave (laughs) (laughs) and again thank you yeah yeah no so diving into it let's let's get to it shall we so let's um get into your list here so we're just going to kind of go through sort of what you have projected as the one through 10 or 15 and talk about it a little bit so of course at the top of the list here the top three we have duxbury st mary's and nda so why don't you start well it's funny how the narrative has changed because last year like i was just saying everybody was saying austin prep and it, if it wasn't austin prep arlington was would, would win the championship any other year and they obviously made it to the final and then acton boxborough had such a strong year getting to the final four and those three Obviously, you guys have left, and Arlington had a couple of signature transfers and graduate uh, graduating players. And Acton Boxborough lost lost a couple of transfers and and have had some some unfortunate injuries. So it's funny how it changed to St. Mary's as coaches were saying this is the number one team, almost like a lesser version of Austin Prep. But Duxbury has shown that even without Ayla Avin and Lily Sparrow has missed a year. They're still rolling. They've got so much depth. They had some struggles, struggles, excuse me, scoring in the beginning, but some sophomores have really stepped up. They've got all scholastic goalie in Anna McGinty. They've had some really great victories, 4-1 over Archbishop Williams. They seem like really the team to beat, and they're out of division two. And then you have St. Mary's, another really deep team. And I actually have a question for you because this is something that I talked about with with Frank just yesterday, the, the head coach, of course, he says that they've got such a target on their back that every team is giving their absolute best against them. And they're having a little, they're still 15 and one, but they're having a little struggles playing with some urgency. Is that something that you guys ever had a, a problem with last year with sort of matching that intensity from, from the other team? I, I think so last year we were ranked number one for for pretty much I think the entire right. season. So I would absolutely agree that often you you have the target on your back and and you're getting opponents' absolute best game. Yeah, everybody so wants to take you down. It's I think it's just it's a mindset and a culture that you have to instill in your team that that's that's what they're getting every single game. Like we AP, we were never overconfident. Sure, a lot of people are like, well, yeah, you were. No, no, like we, the way that we ran that program and worked with those kids, it was we can beat everybody on any given day, but we can also lose to anybody on ev- right. any given day, and and that's how we we approached it. So it's 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 absolutely a a challenge to keep them motivated, keep them pushed. But that's but every game you're getting opponents' best games, right. and quite frankly, I, we always knew like when you get to the playoffs. It's just one game series. Like you can lose any one of those games. Yes, because I mean, the stakes also get higher. So stakes get higher, and if you run into a hot goaltender too, then you never know. One bad bounce, and that's the beauty about hockey is that one bad bounce could could lead to a big upset. So absolutely, and that's sort of the deal that St. Mary's is going through with right now. But Frank, he's very confident that once playoffs come, that that sense of urgency and intensity is going to really ramp back up again. And Still, for, for that to be the case and for them to only have one loss, and that's to Archbishop Williams, it really goes to show how strong they are. And like I said, they're just really deep. They've got such a strong top line in, in Jenna Chaplin, who has 200 points, 100 goals. they got Maggie Pierce, who's a 100-point scorer. And sort of forgotten in that mix is Amanda Forziati, 
I hope I said her last name right, is she, she's brought a lot to the table on that top line. And they've got solid contributions offensively behind them in the next two lines. And so throw in Ange Catino in net, and they're a legitimate team that you really need to bring your best for. And that's why teams have been bringing that sort of intensity. And the third team that I have, Notre Dame Academy of Hingham, they're one of those teams that if anybody's going to beat St. Mary's, if you're going to think about any lock to, okay, really give them a game in the D1 field, it's going to be NDA. They took them to the last, I think, 30 seconds in the regular season. And they're another team where just they have that incredible depth among their forwards, skating three, four lines, and another good goaltender, even with the departure of, of Lily to transfer. So it's really a top three, a good top three. And I think so. We should just also note to our audience that so we're going through your list and right now it's it's just all inclusive list. So uh, for example, Duxbury is slated in the Division Two right. category. I believe they shouldn't be, but we'll right. we'll talk about that yes. as okay. we after yeah. we get through this list. And then St. Mary's is Division One, NDA Division One. Yes. Right. Yes. So again, so right now this is just an, a comprehensive list of statewide. Of yeah. All the teams. Yeah. Just Division One and Division Two, but and a great a great in depth analysis that you've provided though. On oh all of them yeah. So no. Far. Thank you. And I feel like it doesn't even do them justice, especially NDA. There's so much going on there, and and even though they have four losses, three are in the MIA, and one is to St. Mary's, and the other two are to Archbishop Williams. I mean, sorry, to Duxbury. And so I, I was looking at Archbishop Williams next on my list, but the other two are to Duxbury. And that's one of the reasons why I feel that Duxbury, it would be really exciting if they were in the D1 field because then you have a Final Four that is, would just be unreal competition. Not that it won't be for this upcoming one no matter what, but it really makes you wonder what would it look like if Duxbury were in, D, in D1. And also Archbishop Williams, who I have at number four. So... It's it's definitely a very competitive group between the two divisions, and it's it's just really exciting to follow. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast will return after this message. All right, class, it's the NCAA Men's Frozen Four. Welcome to Fandom 101. Want to help your team rule the rink? Here's your assignment. Lesson one, go big for every goal. Two, when you bring it, bring enough for the whole class. And three, attendance is encouraged, but passion is mandatory. The NCAA Men's Frozen Four, April 6th and 8th at Amelie Arena in Tampa, Florida. Buy your tickets today at NCAA.com slash MFrozen4. Class dismissed. Catch the Sacred Heart University Pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at sacredheartpioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. 
UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Will we get to see Duxbury play St. Mary's this year? Do you know if they're... Scheduled? They are not scheduled to play each other, which is sort of the the big bummer. But, I mean, Duxbury has played so many great teams, too. Yeah. And, and I think they're going to be facing Sandwich sometime in the next couple of weeks, and that's another one of those teams in D2. Actually was the preseason favorite, so still plenty to get excited about, for sure. But we will not have the St. Mary's matchup. Yeah, too bad. Well, maybe maybe at some point. I, we got enough with the Archbishop Williams, I think. It's good. Yeah. It, watching that game, being at that game, it you could really see how even those two teams are. Archbishop Williams played with so much intensity, and that's sort of what I talked about before, too, with Frank says that their group didn't deserve to win. They were up 2-1 with, in the final minute, and the Archies get a great, Great goal after pulling their goalie to to tie it within the last minute and forced OT, and then Maggie Lynch does what Maggie Lynch does. But that was such an exciting matchup. And then a couple weeks later, Duxbury beats them 4-1. So. Yep. Yeah, no, listen, it's, it's great. And ultimately, I think for for a competitive league, you, you want close matchups. You want really right. tough battles, close games, go back and forth a little bit. And in my opinion, it helps to strengthen the league too. have numerous opponents that can play each other on any given day and have really good, close matchups. No, for sure. And it's nice to have that sort of non-league action, or sorry, out-of-division action where it's okay. It almost entices teams to to play up a division or down a division more because it's like, okay, well, we won't play them in the postseason, but this will be a really good test to see how we stack up against the best over there too. Sure. Yeah, and I think the transition of the MIAA switching to an RPI or, right. excuse me, a power ranking. That's the other thing, of course. Use yeah. a, I say RPI, but same thing, RPI or power ranking system. It it ultimately, it really encourages you to, to also play the, the most competitive schedule possible. For sure. Because sure. just to help explain it, it's if you play the top team and you're ranked below them technically, but even even if you lose the game but you play them to a really close game, you'll still move up in the in the rankings. So it's right. We're in the past, just having been involved in the MIAA for so long, where they would on the girls' side they would they would just use in past years a overall record, mm-hmm. and I found that that did not give a very accurate assessment of of the teams right. and again like with a power ranking system it, it encourages you to play the most competitive schedule possible so even if you go 15 and 0 but you didn't play all the top teams you're not going to be ranked necessarily number one or two right because even teams that may have a loss or two but had a stronger schedule so it just it really it takes into account many other factors that I think are important when assessing teams. No, for sure. And it makes me think about Acton Boxbro because Brian, he he wanted to make the most difficult schedule that he possibly could. And he already plays in what I think is the most intense conference already. And obviously you could say something about the CCL, but with the MVC DCL, it's such a tough slate to go through that. And then he threw on a bunch of different non-league foes that are among the best. And they were winless through their first 14 games because of some some really tough adversity that they've had to face. But 
they're still going to make the playoffs as of the latest power rankings. I mean, granted, it's at the low 20s that they're seeded, but they still have a chance. And it goes to show that the the new system really rewards you as a team versus what your what your record says. Yeah, and I think also teams are better poised for the playoffs having played a very competitive schedule prior to that. And I know when we were back in the league, like we always said, like we we wanted to face everything in our in our regular season game. So we didn't want to face anything in the postseason that we wouldn't have already been prepared for. So of course, yeah. Most competitive schedule possible really gets you in a great position to start the playoffs. No, yeah, for sure. Every team wants to round right into form right at the right time. Yeah, yeah. And so moving down our list, so we went through the top three. And so the next on our list with four, five, and six, we have four Archbishop Williams, five Winthrop, and six Shrewsbury. So why don't you talk about them? Yeah, so... Archbishop Williams, it, it was funny when I when I ran into, well, not ran into, but when I interviewed Doug Nolan, the head coach, after they had beat St. Mary's, he had said that obviously it's great to look at all these polls, meaning the, the media's rankings and, and seeing where they stack up and it gives a little extra attention, but they do feel a little bit spurned when they're not number one. And he said his group has always viewed that they're number one and it wasn't St. Mary's. And they came up with just such intensity, like I already said, that they were able to to upset them, which to Archbishop Williams, it wasn't an upset. And part of it is adding Maggie Lynch from Quincy, North Quincy. She transferred over there this for this year, and she scored, I think, 55 points last year, and she's just been such... That's, that's a big number. Yeah, that's, that's a quite offense. a big number, yeah. yeah. That's that's a career for most most players. And so adding her to, to, to Grace Motto um, has created one of the better tandems scoring tandems in the in the league sorry in the state and Doug also says that they've got a secret weapon in Evan, Evelyn Lacey she's been a really solid freshman goaltender for them even last night against Canton she looked pretty impressive and Canton can bring plenty of plenty of offense any given night so they look like a really strong team they've overcome pretty much every challenge aside from Duxbury and Canton, obviously. Tom, so the next team on our list is Winthrop, which we have at number five and currently 13-0. and 0. So what are your thoughts on them? So they're a team that you would think that with – they had such a star goaltender last year um, in that summer talent, and she broke program records for shutouts and wins. And you would think that losing her, there might be a little bit of a downturn for them after their first perfect season – or not perfect because they obviously lost – in the postseason, but in the regular season, it was their first unbeaten year, and they haven't missed a beat. They've got the the triplets that are so unbelievable. Butch Martucci can't say enough about them, and it's it's Emma and Julia. They both got a hundred points this season. They're awesome, awesome scores. And then there's Abby on the on the back line that has really led that defense, which is has shown to be pretty deep, and so. They don't play the strongest of schedules in the NEC, and that's no knock to the NEC. It's just when you think about the CCL and the MVC-DCL, it's not as strong, but they still look like they're a really solid team to, to watch out for. Yeah, and they're they're always tough, too. Winthrop is just a really tough team. Now, you guys to, played them play. in the postseason, right? Or were you the ones that took them down? Last year, yes. Last year, right. Yeah. 
Of yep. course. And yeah. yeah, they had a, they had a great season, a, a really good team, and they're just tough. Winthrop is certainly the hockey in Winthrop. It's the pride of the town, and, right. and you know the chemistry aspect that you you discussed. I, I know a lot of these these players, and they all grew up together. They all grew up playing since a young age. So it's really it's really neat. It's really kind of a unique story. I think I think with Winthrop hockey and the triplets, as as we mentioned, also recently featured in our New England Hockey Journal magazine. Tom, so if, right. People haven't had a chance to read that. Definitely worth a read. Really a, a fun and unique story there. Yeah, and I mean, you even just talked about coming up together. I asked Butch what his number one strength is right now, and I said, "Don't don't say chemistry, because that's what a lot of coaches say." And he said, "I'm sorry, but that's that's the case." Like you said, they've been playing together for so long, yeah. and they just really they really bond with each other. Talia Martucci was playing with them, even though she's a couple of the, with the triplets, even though she's a couple of years younger. And so they've got a really, really solid group. And then goes a long way. Yeah, no, sure, it, that, it that does. Chemistry. It yeah. does. And we talked about the MVC DCL. Got to bring up Shrewsbury, who we said at, at number six, they're kind of going through it right now. They've had a couple of games where not exactly the results that they were looking for. They tied Methuen Tewksbury for as strong as they are. They they lost to HBNA as strong as they are, and that's the MVC DCL that I was just saying. But they're a team that they've got a goaltender as good as any, and that's Risa Montoya, and she has been really, really solid for them in, in between the pipes. They've got two very capable scorers in, in the Ryder sisters, and that's, that's Taylor and Mia. Taylor can explode on any given day. And Maddie Merville, one of the best defenders in, in the league, and that's not in, sorry, in the state. And that's not even giving justice to Yasmin McKenzie. So they're, they're a group that, that really you got to watch out for. Number six, they could, I think that they could take down St. Mary's when it comes down to it. But like I said, they're kind of going through it. They got to get through that lump. And that's why you, you pack the schedule as difficult as you do through the regular season because you want to get that out in the middle of the year. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a grind too. The season is long, and it's listen. It's it's great to pick up a loss or two. My my opinion. It's yeah, uh, no. It's it's, uh, it's always good to kind of get that in early, and you wanna you wanna get through some of those mistakes and errors. I think early, and that could very well be a, a matchup that uh, that we see later. No, for down sure, the road. for sure. And I'm I'm kind of hoping for it because we we've already seen so many of the of the MVC DCL matchups that. That it would be nice to see Shrewsbury have to take on St. Mary's or, or NDA Hingham and, and see how that turns out, see really how strong that, that conference is. And I think we should also note, as we have gone through this list, the last three teams that we just discussed. So Archbishop Williams, they're D2. They're D2, yes. And Winthrop is D1. D1. Shrewsbury. D1. Yeah, yep. so just so we can kind of... I know idea. I made it complicated for us a little bit. No, but. it's listen, this will lead into I think what we want to close with and that's when I'm looking at this. It's it's a great ranking that you've provided and it's right. it's essentially the power rankings Appreciate and that. <laughs> it it to me it doesn't really make sense why so like Duxbury is listed as number 1 right now 15-0-1 but they're right. division 2. Right. And then the next team under them St. Mary's 15-1, they're division 1. So that those teams aren't going to have a chance to actually play off the two top teams in the right, state. Right, you're not going to so see that showdown. It, you know, it seems like the the way that the the divisions have been allocated. My opinion, why not have the top eight or the top teams playing against each other at the end of the season? It's a super eight conversation. We've essentially cut the talent in half, if you will. So some of the top teams in the state are going to yeah. be division two. Some of the top teams are going to be division one. And just to briefly touch on it, because I, I just love this conversation. If you're looking at like a super eight. Right, it doesn't necessarily have to be the super eight. It could be something alternative where there's more most power rankings based instead of a selection committee. But if you're looking at at that on the girls' side, 
I don't view a Super 8 needed as much for opening up the the fairness of competition because, as we just said, there's so much parity in, in girls' hockey. I view it as, this is a thrill factor. We want to see Duxbury versus St. Mary's or, or Notre Dame. We want to see Archbishop Williams against one of those two teams that I just said, if it's not Duxbury in the final. That's what we want to see. And this list in, in my top 10, there's such a, we haven't even gotten to Andover, and they're, they're D2 as well. And so it's, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's one of those things where you want you you just really want to see that. But and I guess so to speak, I, I'm I'm just an analysis. I host the podcast show. Yeah. We talk about hockey here. I give my opinion. I mean, it just it would make sense. Why not have the top teams playing each other? So essentially, the D two D one ranking. If we look at your list right now, because as we've only gone through six teams, yeah. And again, Tom, in my opinion, they seem to be highly accurate in terms of the ranking so far, right? Inter- right. Interchangeable, right? Maybe six could go four, whatever. But For sure. But this top you, 10, anybody can beat anybody, really. You're essentially saying the top six teams, but these teams aren't going to be in the same divi- bracket right. or opportunity to, to see each other in the postseason. Right. And I guess I'm just sort of wired that you want to be the best. If you're coaching a team, want to be the best. If you're running a league, you want it to be the best. And I think for an opportunity for Massachusetts to be which we are one of the strongest states in the country for hockey, both male and female. Why why not run your high school league to really have an opportunity to showcase the top teams and the top talent in, in the league? No, I know. And I mean, even talking with John Missouri over in Arlington, the boys, obviously, he tells me these great tales about the, the, the first years of the Super 8 and packing the garden for that first round. They used to have all, all four of those those matchups in, in TD Garden to really like, okay, this is the reward of the Super 8. And it would be a, a completely packed house. You, know, you think about the Super Bowls at Gillette, and obviously a lot of people show up for that, but it, the, the amount of people, it, it doesn't even put a dent in the stadium. With the garden, it was to the rafters, according to Missouri. And so it, it, there's just this level of excitement that you would want to bring to, to hockey. And that includes girls hockey because there is so much. I mean, we've been saying it. I've been saying the word exciting probably more times in my life in this five-minute stretch than I've ever said it. But, you know, that's the way that it is with girls hockey. It's, it's very, very compelling to watch how these teams match up with each other and to split them in half sort of doesn't feel right. Well, and, and Tom, also I think another point is if – if you use a power ranking system, then it essentially should eliminate the need to classify as Division One and Division Two because right. that system just takes overall, just like you've provided us today, the the top teams and it just ranks them one through whatever forty if that's if that's the number of teams in high school hockey. So that's a pretty accurate ranking system. So yeah. that's just that's just my thought on it, and that's I think a thought I've had for years. I think in the MIAA, right. and, and we could talk about this for. So long too. Yeah, it, this is like just, this is its own podcast. It's, it it's like. certainly love to hear some feedback, but it's it's again like the Duxbury and, and St. Mary's are listed as one and two. They will not have a chance to they meet in not. a state championship. They won't even meet at all this no. year. They so it's just it, it it it. I think in terms of how the the goal of the league and the goal of high school hockey, I guess what is it? was it just to 
have teams? Is it just to provide as many teams as possible the chance to playing, which is great, but right. but do we want to showcase the top teams and the top players no, I know. in the league? I know. And I do think about logistics. Here I am on my soapbox talking about how much I would love the Super 8 and not even taking into account the amount of work that goes behind it, but whatever work that is, I feel like these, these athletes deserve it. And it would really generate a lot more buzz for girls hockey if there were a situation like that where maybe not a Super 8, but somehow combining some of these top teams. Well, and I think just, I think most people would agree that, okay, so you have the MIAA and then you have the NEPSAC, the New England Prep League. Right. And the New England Prep School League is probably the biggest competitor to the MIAA. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think a lot of people would probably agree with that. So if male or female. Right. And the prep school league runs it like that. And I think like, so I work in the, the youth world a lot where there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of businesses competing against each other. And if your top competitor is running it a certain way, I would just think that you would want to also do what they're doing so that mm-hmm. your league can can essentially be just as good as that. That's, again, just my thought. But, yeah, no, um, I mean, you, you, know, you have <laughs> a lot of people that would agree with you on that too. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you're absolutely right. New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast will return after this message. Do you want to skate fast? For 50 years, Laura Stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly, powerfully, and fast. Players who attend Laura Stam power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy-to-use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M dot com. You can learn to skate fast. Do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with Paul Vincent Hockey? Since 1972, Paul Vincent, currently the head skills instructor of the Florida Panthers, has been developing NHL and college hockey players. Paul Vincent stands by his saying, there is always room for player development. Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Keith Yandel, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. That's pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer. Are you? Down the list, so number seven, eight, and nine. So we have Peabody Linfield, number seven, number eight, Andover. Linfield Peabody is Division One. Andover is Division Two, and HPNA number nine, who is Division One. Division One, yeah. And this is where the rankings start to get a little bit more dicey for me because HPNA very well could be in the top five. Yeah, and yep. and Andover. So they didn't lose much from last year, right? They HPNA. they brought back a lot of significant talent for sure. Yeah, and and they sort of had their. I mean, every team goes through adversity, but 
they've a couple bad concussions to miss some time. They're they're going through it with with some illnesses right now. So not the greatest stretch that they've had to deal with, but they've still found a way to come up with some some really strong finishes. They're a team that could be number five, and honestly, well, in the, in that top five and Andover, I feel like I've been unintentionally disrespecting all year because Andover at every turn, whenever I say anything where another team will beat them, I do the crystal ball predictions for games of the week for, for the Herald, for the notebook. And I feel like I've picked against Andover and almost every time they've either tied or won it. And they're 10, two and two right now. One of the strongest teams in D2. They're another group that could be up there and PBD Linfield North Reading. They're another team like Winthrop where they don't have as strong of a schedule Michelle, she does a great job of getting non-league foes. They will be playing HBNA at the end of the year to sort of really see that. And they did play St. Mary's, and they only lost two nothing. But they're a team that, if they have a more difficult schedule outside of their league, if they could get more games, then maybe we might be looking at them top five because they're they're very dangerous. They've been in every game. They've got such a great defensive group. Penny Spack has been nothing but awesome for them she actually leads the team in scoring as a defender that's impressive that's yeah a, no it right and when excuse me when when michelle said that too it kind of made my eyes pop a little bit like wow that's that's pretty good and that's not even a knock on on their forward line either it's it's just she's just that good and they've got a really solid goaltender in, in elise mutt muddy and she's been playing really well and when you're looking at, at the rest of their defense, Daniela White, Chloe Gromko, they've done a great job. Ava Buckley and Hannah Gromko on the forward line. They've got four sets of siblings, including the coaches, too. So that, well, that's pretty neat. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That adds yeah, to I'm sure that the parents love that. No, yeah, they, they do. And, and you, you talked about, actually, with, with Austin Prep, looking 10 years ago, where the program was. This is a conversa- conversation that I've just had with, with Michelle, that in through eight years, she's very close. I mean, by the time this podcast comes out, whenever it does, she might already get it, but she's at 99 wins right now. And that's over eight years at, at the, with the co-op and the eight years prior, I think she had said they won like 19 games, something like that. And so they're a program that's really bought in over the years. Having those siblings helps the family aspect of, of the team. It's, it seems to be a deal with them every year. So they're a group to watch out for in D1. And then, like I said, with Andover, I don't really know that much about the actual personnel. I've only heard, had conversations with. So it's actually a former player now that's taken over coaching the team. It's right. An alumni. For right. Andover. Right. So that's that's Megan. Which is right? great. Yeah. Yeah. Keith. yeah. Yep. I guess I, I probably used the wrong word as, as far as players. I don't know the players as as well as I do for other groups, but I know that they play very strong, very physical their defense is no joke. They've got excellent goaltending. They keep the puck to the outside. They really avoid a lot of dangerous opportunities, and that shows in, in a lot of the low-scoring games that, that they've been putting up there. Yeah, yeah. Andover's, they've always been very good. Every year we've played them, they've been a really solid team. Just they've they've been consistent and, agree, very tough to play against. And just with these top eight and, excuse me, the top nine, including HPNA and we'll, we'll, Canton is number 10, it just seems like a really close playing field this year. And no, it does. A lot of games, like if you really mix up these top 10 teams, it just seems like on any given day it would be 
really close games and can go either way on a lot of occasion with these opponents. Right. I mean, look at Canton just against Archbishop Williams. I have Archbishop Williams at number four and Canton at number 10. The only reason why I have Canton at number 10 and Archbishop Williams is number four is because, well, the Archies, they beat St. Mary's and they've been, they've had a little bit more difficult of a schedule, but Canton hasn't had a, a easy schedule themselves. And it wouldn't be surprising me for, for me at all if they, Made it to the final four and to the to the title date. I wouldn't be surprised at all to, yeah. hear, to hear that either. Well, I mean, of course, you you might be a little bit biased, maybe. Well, of course, Nikki Petrick, an awesome, very good friend of mine, a wonderful coach, wonderful person. Right. She had a great career at Northeastern and taking over head coach for Canton, and just I think all that experience too with 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 AP and just knows how to coach in big games and make deep, long playoff runs. So just. Absolutely, that experience is going to carry over to Canton. Yeah, she's no, a great and, job. Yeah, so she's she's done an awesome job with yeah. them. Obviously, stepping into to big shoes after Dennis left, and and they've they haven't missed a beat. And that was one of the things that I talked about with Nikki too the other night. Is they've they've been there. They've been to the to the garden. They know what it takes to win against tough opponents. And and she said that they play their best games against those tough opponents. That's when they are showing up the most. And well, that's what you want. You don't, you you don't necessarily want to play down to competition of the the lesser teams that you play, or not the lesser teams, but you know what I'm saying. And but but it's great that that they really can dial in when they need to 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 come up big. Oh yeah, that's that's what you want, indeed. Those you know, teams. I've talked about all these great goaltenders, and obviously Carolyn Durant, she stands with the best of them as a uh, as a multiple time All Scholastic. Yeah. So she. She's been great for them, too. And I think we should also note, I, I believe you just mentioned it, but Canton was on your number 10 list, also to round out the top 10 yeah. in uh, their Division Two. So, again, just a really a very competitive top 10 that we have here in the IAA girls rankings and uh, just a lot of great games so far, and I can't wait to see how, how everything ends up. I know, I, I know. And I'm really excited to see what HBNA does, too, because they have a lot of really star talent, big star talent at, at all phases. Another great goaltender, I feel like I'm... I was going to mention some of these teams, like HBNA being one, Jul- Juliana Taylor, has the ability to steal a game. Yeah, so no, she's she's been great. It's that goes a long way, as you've seen you know, big upsets over the years, and a goalie like that, I I think she has the ability to steal a game. So well, I mean, I I feel like I just said it, and this is in every coach's acumen of hot goaltender. You never know what's going to happen in the postseason when you get a hot goaltender, and she can she could take over games like you just said. She stands with the best of them. She's not even a, she's not a senior yet, so. They got a, some time with her unless she transfers. Hopefully she doesn't, at least for the MIA's sake. And they're, they're a team that, talking with Gary, he says that he likes being at number nine right now because it feels like whenever you're in that upper echelon, that top five, that's when teams really, they start to really bring it against you. Yeah. And he likes to be under the radar a little bit and sort of be that underdog that is coming out on top. Sure, yeah. And it seems like this top 10 list is a very close top 10 list. Oh, it's that, so close. If that makes sense. So it's, This is it's, the hardest list that, I, that I've had to come up with yeah. this, this week, honestly. Yeah. Because seeing how we got the six degrees of separation of, of who beat who, who beat who, who beat who, and it's almost impossible to come up with this list, especially five through 10. Yeah. No, it's a great list. And again, it, it just it seems very thoroughly put together and, and seems very accurate. And again, it's just the, the top 10, it's a, it's a very close no, it is. And yeah, it is very close. And then you even got the teams that are just on the outside that could very well do some damage. Methuen Tewksbury has one of the best defenses. And talking with Gary, he says that playing against them, they've got 
he thinks one of the best goaltenders in the state in, in Taylor Bruno. And they've got they've got such a great rapport with each other on that back line. They really you'd be hard pressed to find a game where where they're going to allow more than two goals. And that's very valuable come tournament time. Indeed, and of course Arlington certainly don't count them out. They're they're certainly definitely in the mix not definitely as well. Not. And yeah, they they've got they've got the younger siblings of some of the stars that have have recently left, and that that's Julia Kropelka obviously stands out. That's Maddie's younger sister, but I never would want to associate her as as Maddie's younger sister. Right. So she she's been doing some really great things for them. Yeah, and Tom, one other unique thing looking at this list too, just the a lot of these head coaches have have been in place with these programs for a long time and right. talking about how the places like Peabody, Linfield and and even Archbishop Williams have really come a long way the last few years. So Archbishop Williams, Doug Nolan, fairly new coach there. Yep. He's done an incredible job, really. Big turnaround resurging that that program and uh, just a really very impressive group of coaches in place and people working with these programs. Yeah, no, they do a great job in in talking with every coach. One of the very first things that they say when they're after playing a top opponent, they say, well, this team is so great because they got really good person in charge. Yeah. I mean, talking with Gary again, he, he probably wouldn't like that I'm I'm saying the props that he gave him, but Ray Monroe at, at Billerica Chelmsford, he's they play very well under him. He's a very great coach. They're a team that I have them at, at 15, I believe, and they're a team that could could send some some teams packing early. Yeah, and you, you look at this top 10 list, or top 15 even, if you will go even right. further than that. It's, it's a great group of hockey teams. So mm-hmm. don't even classify them as MIAA or whatever, just girls hockey teams. And when we were discussing about making the... the kind of eliminating division one and division two and just having a like a top 10 if you will of teams it's this group of coaches again they've been around for a while they've they've they're very good very qualified very experienced hopefully they have a voice Mm. that's something that they want hopefully they have a voice with the miaa because again i just think that i i'm a very pro high school hockey person and I'm very big on how good I think the hockey is in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. male and female. And I think that again, like this this list of teams is just a really good group of, of teams. And it would be in the best interest of them to showcase themselves as such. Right, right. Uh, up against one another is yeah. I mean everything that we've talked about, I I feel like I could could really hammer it over and over and over again until it happens. But to Hopefully really, they have a voice. Uh, you that, know, that's yeah. something that they yeah. sometimes follow, some, some of the comments and stuff. And, and it's, it seems like that's been suggested by, by a lot of them, but it's, they also have to have a voice. It's, it, this is a great group of coaches and extremely qualified. Right. And they should have a voice. They should have a voice because they've been around it. They, yeah. like, like you've just been saying, they've been around it. They, they know when their players show up the biggest and when they feel the most intensity and that's what it should be about too is it's not only giving us hockey fans a good a good product to watch but you know this is for them that you want them to feel that intensity to feel that joy of overcoming the absolute best in the state right and so or at least in the MIA but we'll see maybe hopefully they do have a voice hopefully it hopefully those conversations start to come a little bit more frequent with with getting something like that going. Yeah, and I think they, at the end of the day, they compete with each other. We all do, right, with our opponents. But I can tell you with this group of of teams, like I'm friends with all these coaches. I like them. I respect them. And I know that they want the best interest of girls hockey and the league. 
but the MIAA has to listen to that. So now that I've kind of been on both sides, so the MIAA and the, the prep side, I can tell you it's completely different how things are run. So now that I'm on the inside of both. So with the girls' prep side, there's annual meetings with, with all the coaches. If they ever want something to change, like a rule, it's, it's a voting process. Okay. So, so essentially every coach has a voice. So I see. They yeah. they recently just changed, for example, the period length, and we're new, so it's it was new to me, but from 15 minutes to 17 minutes, and the thought process being it's it's a little bit more apl- applicable to how it would be in college, where they pay, play 20 minute periods, and so they want a stepping stone to that, and and it was a vote by all the coaches, so so everyone has a voice, so to speak, and everyone is engaged with how the league is run, and. I think that's a great way to run things. I think that is too. And I'm curious if maybe it's more possible with, with less coaches to consider, but I mean, I don't see why making it however many coaches that that we're talking about in, in this situation in, in the prep versus the hundreds in the MIA. I don't know if, if that increase in number would make it any more difficult. So I think that's very interesting to think about proposed changes and, and the process of, of making those either come to fruition or sweeping them under the rug. Right. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of these coaches, they've been suggesting this stuff for years. Right, and right. Is anybody listening to them? They they're, they want they want to do what's best for the league. And right. I think the power ranking system has been a huge progress yeah. for the MIA. Agreed. Every, everybody has, that I've talked to has been impressed with it. And the strength of schedule, adding that, it, it just adds a whole other layer. And like we've talked about, it makes you want to play better teams instead of not not cupcake games, but you sort of take away, you get less of those games against the opponents that really don't add to beating them 7 nothing doesn't really do much for you and it doesn't really do much for them to, to have that sort of result. So I think that's a big step and, and maybe we can get a few more. Well, let's hope so, but definitely right. a, a great step in the right direction. And yeah, no, for sure. It like seems like it's been a great change implemented in the league, and hopefully more to come. Oh, yeah, no, agreed. Well, and Tom, this has been really fun talking hockey with you, and, and just what a great job, and so much coverage for the girls' game, so thank you. Oh, yeah, no, try to. It's one of those instances where you wish that you could be in 15 different places at once, but, you know, it's a lot of fun, and I've had a, a great time talking it over with you. You'll have to clone yourself. I know, I know. I, we'll I, I often say that about myself a lot. Can too, the MIA do that, too? Can yeah. we get that voted on? <laughs> no, but that, that would be great if that could happen. But. Yeah, and really excited to see how the next few weeks of the regular season plays out, and, of course, the playoffs, nothing better than that, so can't wait to see these teams oh, in no, action. Oh, no, I know, I know. The well, rankings might end up honestly flipping by the time that we get to that point too, you, because you, you know, like, know, like we said, with these with the top fifteen, top ten, anybody can really beat anybody. We'll have to have you back for sure when we get into the the finals and and dissect the girls' playoffs when we get there. So again, but thank you so much for joining us this thank morning. You. Thank and, you. And again, thank you for all the coverage that you do. Oh yeah, no, it's it's an honor to do it. And that does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Any Hockey Journal. And subscribe online at NewEnglandHockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. RinkWise is a Siemens Media production.